0: You know, I've always liked cute little things all my life. You know, tiny little screws, tiny little animals, everything cute and tiny. But I didn't know that orchids could be tiny, too.
1: In today's episode, we meet Kelly McCracken, orchid aficionado and owner of High Desert Orchids located in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Her specialty orchid business is marketed only on social media, namely Facebook, and has grown exponentially with no advertising expenses whatsoever. She has literally turned her hobby and passion for miniature orchids into a thriving backyard business. Kelly and her orchids are the epitome of the modern home business created with limited capital, leveraging social media and then growing and serving her niche community. She will share her clever and highly successful model of selling her plant inventory via Facebook Live while creating an engaging, fun, and educational sales environment. She shares her story, details about the massive variety of orchids available, and some of the history of commercial orchids being sold in the United States. Visit High Desert Orchids on Facebook to see all the amazing small orchids she sells and to participate in her Facebook Live sales. I hope you enjoy our interview. I'm really excited to hear about what you're doing because orchids are something, I was selling irises at the farmer's market and people in their minds, I don't know if it's because their grandmas oftentimes had orchids and irises, people confused them. So obviously they're completely different and not many people in New Mexico are actually collecting orchids because they're a little bit harder here, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they're a bit more difficult. We have the low humidity. They, they do okay here, and certainly not as well as in California or Costa Rica or somewhere like that, but they do all right here. So I've been growing orchids for about five years now, and I'm a board member of the New Mexico Orchid Guild. So I'm really into orchids. I collect a lot of orchids. I personally grow about 400 plants. I've been running the Facebook page for the New Mexico Orchid Guild for a long time. And so I really like being active on social media and especially reading about orchids on social media because that's just really interesting to me. I started seeing people selling plants on Facebook because Facebook has this really neat marketplace feature these days. I thought it was really neat to be able to see the actual plant that you were buying. You know, when you buy a, a plant, from an online nursery, you get basically just a flower picture and maybe a picture of a comparably sized plant. So you don't get the exact plant that you're buying, but I thought it was really neat that on Facebook they would post a picture of the exact plant that I wanted. No, there was no surprises. So I really like that model. And so I want to give that transparency to my customers. Yeah, Facebook is kind of an interesting place to sell plants because I don't have to advertise. You know, I can just be active on these groups. These people find me and I just have to post in various social media forums. They'll find me.
1: I think it's perfect. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm just getting started myself with Facebook and learning more about it. And that's actually how we met. So how did... That's right. Yeah, how many people are involved in the Orchid group?
0: I think I've got 317 at last count in my group. Oh, cool. So, so that's um, a month. You know, I just started about a month. That's ago. right.
1: So how did yeah. you capture those people?
0: So like I said, just um, sharing my posts. So I started my group, which is High Desert Orchids. Okay. And then there's a lot of pre-existing sales groups that are just like general purpose. They're not owned by a, a business, owned by a person. Uh-huh. And so you can post things for sale in those groups. And so I'll I'll post a pretty picture of a blooming plant and then they'll say, "Oh, I want that. And then I'll say, Hey, why don't you join my group? And so ah. it's just growing from that. And, so every you know,
1: time have you had to tell people or invite them specifically to your group or have, has it organically grown because a certain amount of people already knew you?
0: A little bit of both. Uh, so, you know, if I see somebody that I have interacted with on a, existing group and I'll say hey I might have something you like or if they're saying I'm looking for something I might go after that person and say join my group I might have something you want but most of the growth has been organic so you know every morning I get eight ten people that want to join the group that I have to approve so that's only amazing. getting bigger yeah how I'm surprised cool. how quickly it's grown
1: now how did you get into orchids
0: so I have kind of always liked them you know they have Big, pretty flowers. Who doesn't like big, pretty flowers? Yeah. And my mom had some growing up, but they didn't really bloom much. It really started for me when I stumbled on the New Mexico Orchid Guild Spring Show. So they used to have it at the Albuquerque Biopark. Mm-hmm. And I would take my son there like once, twice a week when he was a baby. So one one day we just stumbled on the, the show and they had so many beautiful things. And when I stumbled on that show, they had this case of really miniature orchids, orchids that were like three inches and smaller. Yes. And uh, I didn't know that those existed. I was just captivated by those. So it's been downhill ever since. They had a bunch of orchids for sale there and I bought like five of them. And I think I've bought at least a plant every month since then
1: (laughs) amazing so so are you focusing only on the small orchids mainly
0: uh personally yeah my focus is on the small ones you know I just prefer them I fit a lot more in a compact space and I think they're just more fun like I said I've always liked little things but I do have some bigger plants
1: and I saw uh, I think you showed me one photo of your growing space so you've basically converted like a, a part of your office or your room into can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, like, sure. Uh, so inside, I have two grow areas now. Inside uh, used to be my main grow area, and that's like a guest room. It has a pulled-out couch in there. My poor in-laws have to sleep in there with all the orchids. <laughs> but um, it's like a steel wire shelf that we just got from Home Depot, and we built an enclosure around it that has just some cheap pine and then some plastic. All around it so it keeps the humidity in. I can grow some really delicate plants in there. These are plants that grow in like the Ecuadorian cloud forests where it's 90 percent humidity all the time and we just don't have humidity like that ever here. So you need kind of specialized enclosure if you're going to grow those more delicate things. Now I have the outdoor greenhouse which is where you know most of my um, for sale plants are. Oh, interesting. And, okay. Yeah, I don't think you saw a picture of that. It's 8x10 an greenhouse, and it's got a swamp cooler. It's got a heater. It's got great light. We're really lucky that in New Mexico we have really great light. We have most mostly sunny days, so have a you lot found of orchid that... growing is light.
1: Yeah, but is there too much UV sometimes, or is it not a problem?
0: Uh, maybe not UV, but the heat from the sun. Uh, so you got to kind of take away some of that sun sometimes. I see the, the plants can get burned from that, yeah,
1: well, that's amazing, so you in such a small space you've you've created an entire business,
0: yeah, <laughs> I'm surprised at how how well it's doing, so
1: what is something that people don't know about orchids because I think most people's interaction with them might be at yeah, they've become very popular, and I think they're shipped over from Thailand, they sell them at Trader Joe's and other places, but they're pretty much just a few of them that I see,
0: yeah, yeah, so. There's probably like maybe two to three that are really commercially available. Uh, that would be the Phalaenopsis, which are from Taiwan, um, okay. mostly. The Taiwanese have figured out how to grow them for pennies, and they're just super floriferous and colorful, and people buy them like crazy. It, your first orchid probably was a Phalaenopsis orchid. I know it's a the sort of gateway drug into the orchid world. yeah. But then there's the Oncidiums. Those are a little bit less common. You usually see those at Trader Joe's. Those are the butterfly orchids, sometimes people call them, or dancing ladies. Uh huh. Maybe a little less common is like the Cattleya types. Those have really big flowers with fragrance. They're usually very colorful. Those tend to be bigger plants that need a bit more light. So they're not as common and they're not as easy to grow as the Phalaenopsis. The reason the Phalaenopsis is so popular is they grow pretty well under household conditions. They don't really need special temperature requirements. They do fine under, you know, 20% humidity. They can bloom if you just pretty much leave them on a windowsill and water them a couple times a week.
1: I see. And how many times do most orchids bloom in a year?
0: I'd say most bloom just once a year. Okay. uh, There are some that can bloom several times a year but I'd say most bloom once a year.
1: Okay, because I think a lot of people, they have them as houseplants and they haven't seen a flower for years.
0: Yeah. And they don't know what to do. (laughs) Depending on the type of orchid you have, it's probably going to be a Phalaenopsis orchid. And my first recommendation for if you haven't seen a bloom in a long time is give it some more light because for some reason people always think that orchids are really low light plants. And then my other advice would be if it's a Phalaenopsis is to give it a little bit of a chill. So these plants like 60 degrees for about three, four weeks, and that can set a spike, that can set flowers. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's something that a lot of people don't know about orchids, is they're actually very temperature dependent. So they'll need a day-night differential, most of them, of about 10 to 15 degrees they won't bloom without you know a little bit of cooling most of the time
1: okay so really i mean there are a lot of plants like that that flower but maybe they since they're tropical they just don't need as much cold 60 degrees i mean a lot of houses in new mexico will go down to 60 degrees at night yeah yeah
0: yeah so what i do is just stick them outside in like late august when it's like 60 at night for a couple of weeks and then they'll they'll bloom by february
1: oh okay so, you've been purchasing or- orchids in New Mexico. Or are you also purchasing them sometimes online when you see something you like?
0: Well, we don't have a lot of commercial growers in New Mexico. There's really only one. He's uh, New Earth Orchids in Santa Fe, run by Ron Midget.
1: Oh, okay. And
0: he's pretty much the only orchid specialized greenhouse in the state. The New Mexico Orchid Guild sells plants at the meetings and then at the spring show. So, I get a lot of plants there. But I would say 90% of my plants come from online purchases, just because there's not a lot of options here.
1: So, people who are interested in orchids, are you are you able to ship them anywhere, or are you focusing only on New Mexico?
0: No, I ship everywhere. I continental U.S. You know, there's laws for Hawaii and Alaska and Puerto Rico, but um, anywhere in the continental U.S. I've shipped. Amazing. There's a, there's a you know considerations for temperatures. You don't want to ship if it's uh, freezing where the plant is going to be delivered
1: right and how do you box them up because and are also are people going to have flowers on them when you ship them or are you shipping a plant that's not as delicate because it doesn't have flowers
0: it's half and half so i do sell the you know the non-blooming smaller species but uh, i'd say the big sellers are these blooming plants so it is a challenge to package them in a way that they're not going to get crushed by usps but if you you know i usually wrap them in like shredded newspaper and a nice rigid quality box usually they're fine i haven't had a disaster yet
1: do they have to be expedited or are they okay for a few days
0: usps usually does two days and that has been fine so far
1: at what point you've been into orchids for a long time and then at what point did you say, aha, I, I think I'm going to just go for it and make it into a business? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, when we got that greenhouse finished, I finally had the space to you know, start storing these plants. My husband always said, you know, if you can figure out a way to make a little money doing orchids, then you should do it. It's, you know, it's kind of an expensive hobby. One plant can cost anywhere from 10 to 150, upwards of a thousand dollars. I don't buy the really expensive ones, but. Yeah. They can, they can cost you a pretty penny. So my dear darling husband would like me to augment those costs a little bit. Okay. And then there's the cost of actually running a greenhouse, which heating and cooling and all that, and not to mention all the supplies. So it's just a little bit to offset the price of that greenhouse.
1: That makes sense. So what orchids are hundreds of dollars? Are, are these orchids that we've never seen before?
0: on a commercial scale absolutely not yeah there like there's um fragmapedium i'll send you a picture if you want this is a sure. recently described species out of peru i think it is peru maybe colombia and it's a big purple flower it's the size of your hand and it's just this electric violet color and it's tough to cultivate you have to have like running water flowing through the plant and special temperatures you know it needs to get down to like 55 every night in order to bloom and they're just outrageously beautiful but those plants you know to get a select clone of one of those plants it's going to run you like five to a thousand dollars it's just a huge very in-demand plant that is you know tricky to cultivate Um, mostly yeah the the rarer newer species that are harder to cultivate tend to be more expensive or plants that have been awarded um, you know, there's American Orchid Society awards. Uh-huh. If you if your plant is awarded a very high number of points, then those plants are are very valuable.
1: Are people breeding them and hybridizing them, or are they mostly coming from clones?
0: You know, on a volume scale, I would say they're mostly coming from clones, just because the like I mentioned earlier, the phalaenopsis coming from Taiwan. You know, they they produce millions of plants on a huge scale. Okay, those are what's most you know, ninety percent of orchids are probably Phalaenopsis produced. But you know, domestically in the U.S., I would say most of it is smaller hybridizers who are churning out you know new pretty pretty flowers for sale in the U.S. But there's also people who are cultivating the species. They're a little bit less popular because they're harder to bloom and they're a little bit trickier to just grow. You know, there are people that are just just as enchanted by the species as the big colorful hybrids like me. And there's a market for those, those smaller species.
1: Definitely, I, I def, I've met a lot of plant people, whatever, whichever they whatever plant they love, they definitely like the specialized varieties yeah. when they're yeah. into it. So when I see uh, orchids that have bright blue or kind of mm-hmm. unexpected colors, are those dyed or do they actually come in every color?
0: Blue is not really a possible color for orchids. Okay. Uh, so yeah, you're right. You nailed it. They're dyed. And those dyed flowers have a very nasty reputation in the orchid world. <laughs> I would very, imagine. They're very unpopular. But, you know, if it gets somebody into growing orchids, hey, buy it.
1: That's something I think I've seen at Trader Joe's maybe.
0: Yeah, mostly. I don't think I've seen the dyed ones at Trader Joe's, but I've definitely seen them at like Albertsons and Smiths. Oh, okay. They're, so
1: if they've done that to a plant, it's not going to stay like that. It's no. going to go back, right?
0: They inject the dye into the flower stem, so it has to be done while the plant is growing. Usually if you rebloom them, they will be like white or pink. Depends on what, you know, what flower was used when I see. they injected the dye. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that just seems so unappealing.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're certainly unnatural. You know, that's just because we can't get those colors naturally with breeding, so... They're very, very tricky colors to get. And so they've just given up trying and I guess injected them with dye.
1: Oh my God. Well, so how can people, I want to make sure that everybody who listens gets a chance to see some of your orchids. Are you posting your photos on your Facebook group?
0: Uh, So I have a page and I have a group. The page is high desert orchids. Okay. And then the sales group is High Desert Orchids orchids for Sale. So you can join the group and you'll be notified whenever I post a new orchid. But, you know, I haven't been posting a lot of orchids. We should talk about this. I've been mostly doing live videos. Oh. And, uh, so last night I did a live sale. And so I'll hold up plants and talk about them, talk about culture, talk about how many roots it has. You can inspect the plant from top to bottom, know exactly how big it is. Then they can purchase the plant in the video by commenting and I'll invoice them afterwards. So most of my sales have been through that. So if you really want first choice, you got to watch the live video.
1: How cool. That's so smart.
0: It's working. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. I was investigating Facebook live and it seemed like a lot of people were doing that and to hear you succeeding in that, that's really awesome.
0: Yeah. Facebook live, you know, it's one of the few things that Facebook is still promoting for businesses. They've changed their algorithms recently. So Facebook Live is a good way to still get out there.
1: Now, after you post one of those videos, so you're on Facebook Live, and then it gets saved to the group, right? Yeah, correct. And then do you think it gets distributed beyond the group? From yeah,
0: I, I see people sharing it. There's a group on Facebook, probably the biggest Orchid group on Facebook, which is Orchaholics Anonymous. <laughs> uh, it's like 19,000 people in there, something like that. Yeah, I had two people share my video to that group. So however many people Hmm. saw the post from there. And I didn't ask them to share it. I didn't have any incentive for that. They just shared it on their own.
1: How cool. So those people, they were in your group, they shared it. But I also wonder if Facebook might promote it elsewhere without letting you know.
0: I had a few people last week who were just kind of walk-ins. I had never interacted with them on Facebook, but they said they stumbled upon my live video while I was streaming. And you know, I, when I'm browsing on Facebook, I stumble on a lot of live videos. Yeah, I think that they just kind of found me because Facebook showed it to them. You know, they are interested in orchids and here's an orchid video, so watch this.
1: That's so great. I love Facebook now, (laughs) it was a a long journey. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I think it's actually working for me. I was, you know, nearly sold out of plants last night and I had, you know, 50 some plants to sell. That was pretty great. So how,
1: what's your capacity?
0: It's basically just how much work do I want to do with the invoicing and the shipping? Because the shipping can take a little bit of time. Like we talked about, these plants need to be wrapped in a specific way and it takes some time. Definitely. So it's, it's just up to me how much work I want to do. And usually I can wrap 10 to 12 packages in a morning and then that's that's enough.
1: Yeah. There's definitely kind of this mystique about orchids and a long history in the United States maybe you could speak a little bit about that and then what keeps people completely enthralled by them
0: well i can tell you what keeps me enthralled by orchids it's kind of this pokemon mentality you got to collect them all got to have all the <laughs> monsters that you know they're all so unique and it's really rewarding when you figure out what makes one tick and especially with the species you know this species might grow at 800 meters versus this species that looks very similar might grow at 2,000 meters, so they have very different cultivation, and they, they might need something totally different from each other. So it's really interesting when you figure out what makes one tick, and you make it bloom, and it's happy, and it, you know, cooperates with you. So, you know, you, collecting them all is really fun, and you just have all these interesting shapes and textures, and it's just like that little addiction in your brain that lights up when you get a plant to bloom. That's so
1: cool. That's a good way of describing it because that can't be said for most other plants. I mean, people who garden and are planting in the ground, you know, at their climate zone, they like variety too, but they're not thinking of it like that, I don't think.
0: Yeah, it's different from gardening, definitely, because everything's artificial. Gotcha. In my my case, it's artificial.
1: And do you know a little bit more about their history in the United States?
0: Going back maybe to the, like, mid-90s when they started exploding and that would be because of the Taiwanese. So Taiwan has an interesting deal with the United States that they can ship plants in pots into the United States. So that law was enacted late 80s, I think, and so they've started mass-producing these things for the Western market. And other countries cannot ship plants in pots into the country. So basically Taiwan has U.S. standards of growing And so there's no bugs, there's no diseases, and they have very, very high standards, but they have this deal that they can exclusively import orchids into the country. And so they're very dominant because of that. Of course, we like cheap things, cheap flowering things, that's even better. Yes. (laughs) And uh, so they're, yeah, that's, that's how orchids really exploded in the United States because of this Taiwan deal. And they're, you know, they're expanding now. They can also import the Oncidiums. Before they could only import the Phalaenopsis in media, but now they can do the Oncidiums. And they're working on the Cattleyas too, that I mentioned earlier with the big flowers. So once they can import those Cattleyas, I think the domestic growers are really in trouble because before, you know, the, that was their niche. It's just impossible to compete with Taiwan on the Phalaenopsis. It's yeah, makes that. sense.
1: Sounds like they were very specialized and rare until that time in the 90s.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And they it were- also sounds like maybe you have such a great niche because no matter what happens, you're not really even focusing on those.
0: Yeah, I don't even bother with those. I don't particularly like them. They don't pr- grow particularly well in my conditions because I'm a little bit too cold and a little bit too humid for them. So I just don't even bother with them. And the real, the species growers that I more cater to just don't grow a lot of them either. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, you have great focus and it sounds like a really great business model. Thank cool. you. Great information. And now I'm excited to go back and look at some of your Facebook live videos.
0: Yeah. You need to watch